Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where Christmas is almost here and we are celebrating. I'm Karen Peterson, (laughs) joined by Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hello. Lauren, how are you? I have COVID. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling everybody, just like, I got COVID again, guys. I got COVID. I got COVID. It's so funny how some people feel the need to like, they feel shame still, even four years into it. Like they still feel shame. Like, oh, I don't want anybody to know that I have COVID, but it's like, no, when I had it, I wanted everybody to know. Cause I wanted them to know, like, cause people know how cautious I am. And I wanted everybody to know that you can still get it. Even if you're cautious, you know? Yeah. I, I admit, all right, I'm going to admit something. I have not been terribly cautious recently. Like I, I've not been, I've just been like, okay, fine whatever and i i probably should have been um but yeah so i i have COVID now and i'm a little bit surprised that i didn't get it sooner in some ways i've had it twice now um but i this season i'm like i'm surprised that i've made it to december and not actually had had COVID yet so See, that's why you got it because you thought that actually you let that form in your yeah. brain i thought <laughs> that i was gonna make it out of 2023 without having had it and um no, but I'm I'm doing all right. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you're feeling okay. So yes. I'm getting through it. So all right. Well, um, Christmas is like almost here. It is. How did that happen? I don't know. It's the end of Can the year. We just do this. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas comes earlier every year. I swear. It's weird. Anyway, what are you doing for Christmas? Well, hopefully. Uh, presuming that I test negative and am okay to travel and everything, hopefully I'm going to go upstate and be with my parents. That'll be good. How are they doing? They are doing pretty well. It sounds like they have been putting up the tree and putting up the lights and having to cut the old lights off of the tree. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. We, so we, we use, um, we usually use like an artificial tree. Uh, we've had real trees in the past and it's always just been a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's an artificial, it's a nice artificial tree, but we finally had to replace the lights last year. And, uh, apparently the, the old ones were really difficult to get off. Oh no. <laughs> That's funny. So what, what about you? What are your plans? Um, for Christmas, Karen? So the last few years, we've just kind of fallen into this tradition. We don't really know how it happened, but now we always do Christmas Eve at my mom's house. And that's when we do like a dinner and we exchange gifts and stuff. And then on Christmas day, um, we just either, I will just go hang out with my mom and stepdad, or if my brother and sister-in-law are in town, then we'll go probably to their house for Christmas dinner. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, I don't ever get to pick. I just wait for people to tell me where and when to show up to stuff. So <laughs> I am singing in church though. So that'll be fun. That's Ooh. on Christmas Eve. And so, yeah, so that's, that's my nice. plans. So yeah. Yeah. <sighs> 
Um, yeah. So we thought for our last episode of 2023, and since this is Christmas time, um, we would like to to round out the year with a couple of of I was considering holiday favorites, but then I realized, well, we realized you hadn't seen two of the movies that we wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. So um, <laughs> these are definitely favorites of mine. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So first we're going to talk about The Shop Around the Corner from 1940. And then we're going to talk about The Holiday from 2006 and wrap it up with Last Christmas from 2019. So first of all... um. Some of these, I mean, all three of these movies have some things in common, but um, Mm -hmm. they're not, none of them are the same at all. But, um, you know, a couple of like, these are, these are all billed as rom-coms, although we can have a discussion on whether that last one is a rom-com. I think you and I both agree on that answer. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, But, but even if it's a, whether it's a rom-com or not, all three of these movies really do um, involve love. And revolve around love as a central theme. So, Lauren, can you talk about that a little bit and how um, how love is such an important theme to all three of these films? Yeah, I so in rewatching them, so so two of these I had not seen, and I, I got to watch for the first time. The Shop Around the Corner, I I have seen numerous times, but one of the things that struck me throughout was that they are you know romantic comedies, so romantic relationships at some point become a central concern but so much are also about friendships and families and about, so it's, it's not, it is about different kinds of love as well. And those friendships and families are very, very important to the stories. So you've got the shop around the corner, which is about coworkers, right? But they also all are friends. They're close to each other. They care about each other. They care about each other's lives. Um, They, you know, come to understand and misunderstand each other a great deal. Um, Uh, so both of the holiday and last Christmas do actually like deal really for an extended period of time with non-romantic relationships and mm-hmm. with the different friendships that develop in some sometimes between the romantic couples, but also with kind of the central characters and other people. And I really I think that it's a really wonderful thing to see in holiday movies because so often like these these stories are about like, you know, you have your family, you have your friends and that's it. But this becomes more like developing those friendships and finding connections with people that maybe you didn't even realize you had a connection to and you're kind of thrown together as a result of something. And it turns into something that's really meaningful for both people. I I really liked the fact that all three of these films are not solely romantic comedies in any sense. That's not solely about you fall in love with with one other person and that's that's the end right um it feels like these characters have a longevity in their relationships that actually means a lot more yeah yeah and i uh i think that just to touch on what we were talking about last week with shannon too these movies in particular um they're all fairly lighthearted even when they start dealing with some some deeper stuff, some more serious things. Um, none of them is no, none of them ever crosses over into straight up like drama. Um, but, but they do still manage to address some of the, the, some of the really important things that, that people feel at this time of year, people who Mm -hmm. are alone, the loneliness that they feel, even when they're surrounded by people that you can still feel very, very alone. 
um, depending on your circumstances. And I think that all three of these movies touch on that and they touch on just like kind of the darkness of the season, but they do it in a way where, where you're still able to, to enjoy and have some fun and laugh. Um, but it, it's just like a, it, all yeah. three are just a very interesting um, blend, I guess, of, of, of emotions and moods and they all do it in such an effective way that um, it's it's almost kind of easy to miss that they're dealing with such dark things, but but yet they do yeah. it really effectively. Yeah, it's it's that that combination of joy and melancholy I think that runs through mm-hmm. that runs through. We talked about this a bit last week, like you yeah. said, um, that runs through Christmas as a season. Uh, and some of it is just the darkness and the snow. You know, if you live in particular places, but just that whole sense that you have to, that, you know, as we said, you have to be, you have to be happy. Um, But there is a melancholy element to all of that because, you know, it marks out things for a lot of people um, and is a very difficult time for a lot of people, depending upon their circumstances. And I I agree with you that all three films deal with that. And, and like you say, deal with it without, it's not, they're not depressing. Like, it's not like, Oh God, this is horrible. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, no, this is, it's hard. Being human is hard. Uh, And it's particularly hard at a, in a time when we are being told, you know, you have to be, you have to constantly be happy because that's what the season is about. It's not. Um, But you can also find happiness in spaces that maybe you didn't expect. Uh, And, and that's what a lot of these films are about as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's start by talking about the shop around the corner um, from 1940, it was um, directed by Ernst Lubitsch and stars Margaret's, Margaret Sullivan, James Stewart, and Frank Morgan. It was um, it was actually based on a Hungarian play from 1937 called Parfumery. Um, and uh, the, the movie is still set in Budapest, even though most of the characters are American or British. <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, so basically... Um, it's a, it's centered in a leather goods shop in Budapest owned by Mr. Matichek, who has his top salesman, which is Jimmy Stewart. Um, the two have been really, really close, but all of a sudden Mr. Matichek is just being a lot colder toward his, his favorite person, Alfred. Um, and it's kind of a mystery as to why. And then this, this, there's like other people that work in the store. And then this girl comes in one day and begging for a begging for a job basically it's clara um margaret sullivan and um she ends up landing herself the job so <laughs> um lauren what is it about the shop around the corner that you just love and that makes you keep coming back for it over and over again i i, lo- I love the character i mean Lubitsch is so good at crafting these kinds of stories it's again that that combination of joy and melancholy that these are people who desperately need these jobs. And there's, there are references throughout to people who don't have work, you know, the, the whole thing with Clara coming in and she's desperate. She has no job. It's, it's about to be Christmas. She cannot get work. And she kind of finagles her way in. Right. And, and no one is particularly like against her, even um, what's his name? Alfred is not Kralik. He isn't really against her. He's just like, we just don't have any space, you know? Yeah. Um, and and then there like develops this sort of rivalry between them that has a really interesting element to it. Uh, 
But so I, I think that it's it's again that fact that Lubitsch can introduce these fantastic characters who are very funny, very charming, very real. Like some of they're ridiculous, but they're also real. You feel like these are real human beings um, and kind of put them into this space and show how they relate to each other and how they understand each other. Uh, and and then there's just this wonderful, you know, through line about all of these different relationships, about this this romance that develops um through a combination of letter writing and just absolute hatred for one another. Uh, and, and I like, yeah, I just like the, the entire tone of the film. It's a very sweet, it's very loving, but it's very realistic at the same time. So you have this, this kind of magical element, I think through, throughout. Uh, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's just very funny. Like they're funny characters, got great actors playing these parts. Um, and even though I think the the relationship between Kralik and, and Clara is very much the central one, there are so many other things going on that Lubitsch also focuses on that it doesn't feel like it's just these two. It is about the shop around the corner um, and the people who come in and out of it and the people who exist there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and this is an hour and 40 minute movie or so. And I think that it's one of those great examples of how much you can do and how much you can give to your audience in such a short amount of time, because like they drop you right into um, kind of this situation. And, but you get the, you get the idea that Alfred um, has been close because he's he's a little confused by why Mr. Matichek is is suddenly kind of standoffish to him. Mm-hmm. But we as the audience also hear the things that Matichek is saying and uh, like we can kind of put two and two together of what, you know, what may be the yeah. reason for for this. And and so as things get revealed and as things unfold, it's it doesn't take a lot of of time or or, or um like they don't have to dwell a lot on developing these sudden changes yeah. or things because we've been seeing the foundation late the whole time. Yeah. It's, it's really organic. And actually on this, mm-hmm. in this rewatch, I was like, I, I realized that cause I, I think because I'd been paying so much attention to the the romance element, I was like, Oh no, a huge part of this is about the relationship between Mr. Matichek and Kralik. Like right. it's the two of them and what is going on between them. And yeah, you can see it's like something's going on and you've got all these references to his wife and Kralik being the only one of his employees that has been invited to his house and is like sending flowers to his wife and is really nice. And you can see the misunderstanding developing long before it's like actually, you know, 100% explicitly verbalized. Uh, And, and you know, the both sides just like, no, neither one of you understand what's going on. (laughs) Um, And then, and it's, it's similar then with, with the relationship between Kralik and Clara, who, are so antagonistic with each other and so like pompous and bombastic with each other in person and then are actually, you know, unbeknownst to them for a good bit of the film are like developing this romance with each other via letters. Yeah, they're secret pen pals. Yeah. Using pen names and so neither knows the other's identity. It's so anybody who has not seen this movie, it is the movie that you've got mail is based on is adapted from. So um, there's a lot, there are some like straight up lines from this that I don't know. I've never read the play, so they might actually come straight from the play too. But, um, um, but there are some lines that are, that are completely reused in you've got mail. Um, And I don't remember why I brought that up, but (laughs) 
but uh, it's it's a very um, close affinity. But this one is much more about the shop itself. It's not yes. it's not the like we're going to tell this story about the central romance. And I like You've Got Mail, but You've Got Mail is one of those films that I have to kind of close one eye in uh-huh. order to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's also that's very much a movie that is like big big mean corporation coming in to push out the little guy which we see happening like it it was very much a thing that was happening in 1999 and it's still happening today but um but as you say one of the things that just makes you've got our shop around the corner um really really work and really be such a such an enjoyable movie is the fact that it's all centered in one one shop it's just about the shop around the corner it's not about um outside pressures other than the economy and yeah. you know a looming war in europe <laughs> but um but uh, but i mean it's not like nobody's out to get this shop they're not being singled out they're not under attack directly it's yeah. you know it's it's really just the focus is on the personalities inside it and the you know the closeness of the people that work there and and how in in even in even if you have a store with like six employees, there's still going to be drama and <laughs> gossiping. And yeah, you there's just so cannot much drama. It. It's there's so, so much drama. There's so much drama. And well, I, the other thing that I like is that there are characters who are, are humorous, right? So you've got Mr. Matichek who's funny and he's kind of bombastic and everything, but he's also a good businessman. And it's obvious that yeah. he's a good businessman. Um, you've got, uh, Vadish who is played by, um, Joseph, uh, no, not, not Vadish. Um, Pirovich. Pirovich. Yeah. I love, uh, Felix Bressart, who is a fantastic character actor. And like, if you've seen a lot of Lubitsch films, you've seen him in other things as well. Um, but he's hilarious and he, but again, he could come off as just this kind of like ridiculous stock character, but he doesn't, you get all of these, all of this insight into his family and his wife, who's like, they're constantly calling the doctor because his wife just always needs a doctor and his children and all this. And this like kind of happiness that he has that is very different from the happiness of everybody else. Um, And, and throughout, there's just like this wonderful sense of these characters as being, again, like I said, real, real human beings and their relationships as being very organic uh, and you know, it is in a lot of ways. It's very much the Lubitsch touch. It's that that faith in humanity. I think that underlies everything that Lubitsch does. Yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, one of the central elements to the shop around the corner is the fact that a lot of people are not just coming right out and saying what's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you have a lot of, of people misunderstanding and misinterpreting each other and making assumptions um, and getting things totally wrong. <laughs> so obviously we have the, the central relationship with Clara and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Kralik, uh, yeah. Kralik. And Alfred, um, his name is Alfred Kralik. I keep on calling him Kralik because that's the way how everyone calls him, him Mr. Yeah. Kralik through the whole movie. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, they don't, they don't know for a while that they're writing to each other, but then he figures it out. He finds out. So then he knows, but she still yeah. doesn't. And because well, he just has these like negative feelings toward her and he's just trying to come to grips with that. But, <laughs> Then there's like a separate other misunderstanding, which is this between Mr. Matichek and, and Kralik, yeah. too, which ultimately I think is 
like that's also a really important relationship because it's kind of what brings everything together in the end yeah yeah it's 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 what creates a lot of the the conflict and the antagonism within the shop to begin with mm-hmm. there's like and in fact even just the hiring of clara you know and, and mr matichek is constantly pushing back against Kralik. he's like you think you know everything right um and what's underlying that is this fear that Kralik is having an affair with his wife uh but but there's also this like pushing pull going on and and mr matichek feeling like he's losing control of things and so that wine that ends up resulting in you know the hiring of clara the buying of the Ochitonia uh cigarette boxes which just keep <laughs> on coming back and coming back um and and then when you actually get the misunderstanding resolved and they kind of actually are able to talk to each other um that's when you're we're also able to begin to resolve the uh, the central romantic relationship right yeah <laughs> i do have to say one of my favorite scenes is the scene where Kralik actually discovers that clara is the woman he's been corresponding with <laughs> because yeah. it's so well done and talking about perspective so you you get um uh, uh what's his name pirovich looking yeah. in the window to because because he's saying like you know i don't have a job Kralik is saying i don't have a job anymore i can't meet this woman like she's gonna ex- you know i've talked myself up she's gonna expect someone who like at least is employed uh and and i'm not you have to and and then uh Pirovich is like well i can look i'll see if she's there and i just love the way that that's played because we don't see her but we know that it's her at first right and you get the react Purovich's reaction. And there's just a wonderful dialogue exchange where he's just like, well, you know, Clara. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that girl looks a lot like, you know, she's very similar to Clara. She has the same coloring. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, so she's very much so, you know, and it's just like, okay. <laughs> it's like, well, I will tell you right now that if you do not like Clara, you will not like this girl because that girl is Clara. <laughs> And it's so wonderful. And then you get this wonderful scene between the two of them where, again, he knows and she doesn't. Um, and then she's vicious to him. Mm-hmm. And on a day where he's just been fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's vicious to him. Uh, and she just dismisses him. And so there's this moment of like, I, I think that the scene is played so well because you could really, really dislike him for basically standing her up. Right. Um and because of that exchange between the two of them, it it lessens that. It makes he still shouldn't have stood her up. He should have actually told her. But it lessens that impact. It's more like she's being cruel. Like of, I, if I were him, I would react like that. Yeah, you know, to just be like, oh, "Fuck this, I'm leaving." Like, um, and it's it's just a, it's a really wonderful scene. It's very gently done, I think. And and it means that you still feel strongly about both of these characters, like you want them to end up together. Um, but you can see how they need to work through a whole bunch of stuff before that can actually happen. Right. Yeah. And then they do. And then they do. And, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And Jimmy Stewart has one of the sexiest lines about opening a letter in like the history of cinema and i just like every time he delivers something, i'm like oh my god I, I can't find jimmy stewart attractive that's not okay but also wow <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a good one so if you have not seen the shop around the corner it is streaming on max get on it christmas is almost here definitely any other thoughts it's, it's wonderful um 
No, I, I just, it's a, it's a beautiful film and it, it really does like lift. I don't know. It, it always makes me happy. It's always like this, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> it's that kind yeah. of film. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things we kind of touched on this before, but it's like, it's set in like Hungary, right? When mm-hmm. the war is starting to break out, there's a lot of poverty and, and famine and just hard times and it's Christmas, but yet this movie still seems to still manages to be so hopeful and so sweet and it doesn't feel like it's it's ignoring the problems of the world, but it it just gives you an escape from them. And that's something that we all could use this time of year, every yep. year. Yep. Yeah. I absolutely the, agree. Okay. So The Holiday from 2006. I cannot believe that this is your first time watching The Holiday. I cannot believe it is my first time watching The Holiday. This This film has been on my list every single Christmas for like five years at least. And I had not watched it because it kept on not being on streaming services. Mm. And I, and I finally actually just rented it this time. Um, but it just kept on not being there. It's just like, Oh, I'm not going to watch it. It's over two hours. Like it's not a, ava- it's not just immediately available. So I'm just not going to watch it. And then, yeah. So, so this is the first time I've seen it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you finally did. I actually went and saw this in the theater and then I bought it when it came out on DVD. So I never have the streaming problem. So I never realized it's never streaming because I just own it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, so this was directed, written and directed by Nancy Myers. Um, and it's basically, two women swap homes for Christmas. And there are a lot of reasons and a lot of things that lead to that decision. Um, basically that's what it is. And so you've got Cameron Diaz, who is, um, she owns a company cutting movie trailers, which one, sorry, I'm just going to jump ahead and say one of the things I love about the holiday is that like the Hollywood people that you meet all have like normal Hollywood job, not normal necessarily, but like they're not actors mostly or, you know, directors. They do the other types of work that, that yeah. makes Hollywood go. So I love that her job is like, she has a company that cuts movie trailers. I love that so much. I think that's such a fun and different and interesting um, choice there. So uh, anyway, she's just broken up with her cheating jerk boyfriend, Edward Burns. I mean, who doesn't want to punch Edward Burns in the face? I'm sure he's a lovely person, but he just has such a punchable face. I'm sorry. Anyway, she ends up switching homes with Iris, played by Kate Winslet, who has been the very much the uh, hopeless romantic in an unrequited relationship that was really an affair, uh, except for that Rufus Sewell um, just kept jerking her around for years and she needs to get out. So they swap homes and basically lives for two weeks at Christmas time. So this was your first time watching it. What did you think? I I loved it. Uh, yeah, I really did. I like, I just liked everything about it to be, it, I think it hit the right tone for me because again, it's not there are relationships like romantic relationships. And those are very much, those are very important. I really, really like Kate Winslet's storyline um, because it would, it could so easily have been just like, Oh, this woman who is in, who's, you know, not really able to get out of this bad relationship meets a lovely guy who is not quite her type, but he turns out to be fantastic. And um, they have, and they begin a relationship. <laughs> Which is part of what happens. Like Jack Black is fucking adorable. 
Oh my uh, gosh. So charming. <laughs> so likable. So like weirdly romantic. And like the entire conversation they have in Blockbuster is just hilarious. And he's just uh, cute in this movie too. He's, he's just so cute. He's so sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. But I really like the fact that so much of it is not about her falling in love with him. It is about her relationship with the Eli Wallach character, um, who's you know a Hollywood screenwriter who um, an elderly Hollywood screenwriter who basically has kind of turned in on himself. Doesn't doesn't believe that he's remembered. Doesn't believe that he's loved. And through her kind of intervention and their friendship developing, he helps her kind of become the leading lady in her own life. Uh, and and she helps him to you know realize that the things that he says and the um, the things that he's written and the movies that he's made are incredibly important to a lot of people. And it's it's a wonderful it's such a sweet relationship. And I really like the fact that so much time is spent on that. Um, yeah. And and that's what really enables her to you know kick the terrible man to the curb and again it's it's a terrible man but it's a it's a particular kind of terrible man mm-hmm. too he's so yep. manipulative and he's so like exploits what he knows about her and her feelings and she almost gives into him and i remember sitting there watching it just like this has to end you have to do something girl <laughs> like do so- don't let this man talk his way back into your life jesus christ mm-hmm. um and i just i love the scene between the two of them where she's finally like get out just get out <laughs> yeah it's wonderful yeah, yeah. well i there's so many things that i love about her storyline where um you know, yeah, it culminates in this great moment where she just basically tells Jasper, you need to get out of, like, not just get out of the house, but, like, get out of my life. You've just, like, you've you've never treated me right. You've always been horrible. And I let my, I, I let you convince me that this was all my fault. I love when she's like, that, you know, I let, I let you convince me this was my fault and my misunderstanding. Somehow she says it, like, something like that. And that resonated with me so much because I've been there and I think so many people have been there. And I think that's one of the strengths of Nancy Myers is like, even when she has these like crisp and perfect, you know, like beautiful sweaters and things like she, these like perfect looking houses and lives, but she really does tap into certain elements of, of emotion and experience that really are universal and that's one of the things that she really does particularly through iris in the holiday is you can see how um how heartbroken she is and you can understand why she's so heartbroken you can understand why she um keeps letting herself like not not necessarily why but how she keeps letting herself um kind of go down this rabbit hole again and again and again because we've you know, most of a, maybe not most, but a lot of us have been there. Like that's an understandable thing. We've been trapped in these situations where we convince ourselves that if we just wait a little longer, give a little mm-hmm. more, just do something a little bit better, um, that they'll eventually come around. And, um, and you do have to have a moment where you realize this is never going to happen. And I love that her moment comes from spending some time with an old Hollywood screenwriter who has an Oscar <laughs> that's just sitting dusty in his window. And um, but he's able to to remind her of who she is. And he does that. He does tell her straight out like, yeah, 
you're a leading lady, but you act like the best friend. But he also gives her like assigned, he assigns her classic movies that of course, none of them are <laughs> movies that he wrote because um, he's very humble, but uh, he assigns her classic movies and introduces her to herself through like Jane Russell and, you know, and all these amazing iconic um, women. Barbara Stanwyck, I think. Barbara I think Stanwyck, yes. Yes, they talk about, I think they talk about the Lady Eve. At they one do, point. yeah. And I was just like, Lady Eve. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let us all model ourselves on Barbara Stanwyck and the Lady Eve. <laughs> right. But then the other beautiful thing about Iris's story is as this is happening, as she's experiencing this like kind of opening and, and um, healing work of, for herself, she's also becoming friends with Jack Black and her specific experience makes her able to not only hear him and understand where he's going, like what he's going through, but also know when to not interfere in the decision mm-hmm. that he's making and just letting him figure it out. Like she never lectures him as he's dealing with his own relationship falling apart and like, oh, I know you like her, but she's just going to do this to you again. Like she never crosses that line. She lets him figure it out for himself because mm-hmm. she knows that he needs to. And that's part of why the two of them are able to come together at the end and it's such a beautiful thing and i just i love this movie so much yeah i i, I absolutely agree um i do i also i like the cameron diaz jubal uh subplot and again you know it's interesting you mentioned that um myers is very good at showing these people who are picture perfect in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um they have these really pristine lives like iris's cottage is just so <sighs> little so english idyllic. cottage yeah and the the hollywood house is is just so gorgeous just like oh my god look at this place you know so there is this like cleanliness to all of it but all of these are very messy people right. um and and myers is very good at showing that messiness in the midst of this very kind of hollywood perfect look mm-hmm. and and i th- and she does that i think really really well with cameron diaz and i i know i've seen people uh criticize her diaz's performance here i think she's great because she's basically this woman who is so has cut herself off from her emotions so strenuously that she can't cry that's the whole that's like the whole thing she cannot make herself cry she like she is incapable of tears um and and through her relationship with jude law it turns into like, you know, maybe you could actually let yourself be emotionally vulnerable. Maybe you could change the trailer to your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And 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 I think it, it develops really, really well. It's a very believable relationship. Uh, I do also really like how this film undercuts some of the romantic comedy tropes. Yeah. Um, and the one that really got me was, you know, like they had... Cameron Diaz and Jubal have had like this perfect date and they're, they're getting into each other. They're really like interested. And she's like, okay, you cannot come in. Um, they've slept together already, but it's still just like, no, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea because they're developing feelings, actual feelings. Uh, and then she's like, oh, I'm being stupid. And she goes to his, his house to see him. And the whole thing is very much set up like, oh God, he's with another woman. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the other woman are his two daughters. <laughs> And so you get this, and for me, not having seen this one was just like, oh, this has taken a, a left turn um, where, you know, his actual thing, the reason why he's so emotionally cut off in a lot of ways is because he doesn't want to trust a, his, a relationship with a woman because he 
everything in him is focused on being a father to his daughters. Um, and the only time that he's like able to not be that is when he's going out and, and just, you know, sleeping with random women, et cetera. And so he's kind of compartmentalized his life in a similar way that she has. And he begins to let her in and she begins to let him in. And so it's this really lovely, like development of this relationship in a way that I did not expect. Yeah. Yeah. When he opens that door and the girls peek their head out, like, who is it? And then she's like, oh my gosh, he's married, you know? And, and then he's like, tell me quick, tell me quick. And <laughs> um, yeah. And so then he tells her what's really going on and it's just, and and I love that she just rolls with it. She's just like, okay, I'm here. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and and they end up spending this just sweet night together that was definitely not what she was expecting. Um, but it ends up being the thing that she needs the most. Like she really needed that time with him and his daughters. I think that's what really kicks her out of this like this like like kind of being stuck in her head yeah. of like there's there's so much more here than just this guy that i find really attractive like a he's a full person like a complete person with a whole life um but also he's got this beautiful sweet family who has also been through some really really hard things i mean these two little girls lost their mom at a very very young age and so she's kind of stepping into a situation that is just, it's, it's tragic, but they've, they've like persisted, you know, they've persevered yeah. and, um, and she's, she can see the, it's not exactly the same, but she can see some mirrors to her own experience with what happened with her parents. And she can just see that like. Yeah. She she can it wasn't it wasn't at all the same thing because her parents got divorced but but it it's what kind of really opens her up when when he makes the reference to like or one of the girls calls themselves the three musketeers and it's yeah. like oh that's what she had talked about and and it's just it's really it's it I think f just to your point about like it doesn't follow all the all the typical romantic comedy tropes it's like she doesn't really just fall in love with him she's very attracted to him it's when she meets the girls like that's when she falls in love with them yeah and well, i just i really like that and and like, like you say it becomes more real because it's like okay this is just not not just this good looking guy who's going around just, you know, having sex with a bunch of women, et cetera. There's mm -hmm. a, there's a reason for that. Like there's right. a reason why he chooses that kind of a lifestyle um, when he's not being responsible for his daughters. And, and then also there's, there's the self-protection that I think he even says um, that, you know, he hasn't wanted to introduce women to his children because the women usually just balk and run mm -hmm. or there's the yeah. danger that the children, the girls will become yeah. attached to them. Yeah. And they'll leave. Right. And so the whole thing that, you know, just her making that step and then being like not running away um, is such a major step for both of them. And he and him being willing to, like, bring her into that and not just telling her, like, no, you have to leave. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a really interesting relationship that uh, I don't think is immediately expected in films like this. Right. Yeah. I also just love Mr. Napkinhead. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking cute. Like, I have to say, I am not a huge fan of Jude Law, but he charmed the shit out of me in this movie. And I was just like, God damn it, Jude Law. It's the glasses. It's the glasses. 
The glasses and the button-down shirts. I guess spe- <laughs> he's got that hot of, dilf energy. Speaking of tropes, the whole thing of just like, <laughs> oh, I lost my contact, so I've got to put my glasses back on. Like it's just like, oh no, you got hotter. <laughs> so true. We're gonna reverse the trope. Oh, take off your oh, you're suddenly sexist. Like, no, we're gonna put the glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Uh, any other thoughts about the holiday? It's a lovely film. Uh, I've seen so much criticism of this one. Just like, I don't know. Sh- shut up. Like, shut up. Just, I mean, I'm, there are things that probably don't work, but I just enjoyed it. It's adorable. Yeah, it's so cute. Where was it streaming at? I don't remember. Uh, oh, you know, you rented it. I, d- I did wind up renting it. I thought that it was supposed to be streaming on Stars, but it did not come up. Um, but it is rentable. And I think I rented it for like, 250 or something like oh, that so okay. it's really worth it like for that yeah or you can just come over to my house because i have it <laughs> <laughs> okay so the last film we want to talk about this week is last christmas from 2019 this was directed by paul feig and written by Bryony kimmings and emma thompson um and who also stars in the movie as the mother of amelia clark um and Amelia Clark plays Kate, a girl who works in a Christmas shop and is very bitter and spends all her time getting drunk. And oh, this takes place in London. Um, one day she meets this random guy named Tom, who's played by Henry Golding. Um, he's standing outside the shop and the two of them start talking and then they start hanging out once in a while. And um, yeah, through through their conversations and and um the things that he talks to her about she starts to um she starts to kind of figure out some things in her life and make some changes Mm -hmm. that she needs to make because kate had a heart transplant the year before and um has been dealing with some trauma and depression and things because of that so um this is your first time watching last christmas as well lauren so what what were your thoughts about this one (laughs) Well, I think before before we get into this, I think we should say that the, that there will be spoilers because I do think that this yeah. is a somewhat spoilery film. Although it's to me, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Uh, it might I don't know. It might not be to to other people, but yeah, actually, I just want to say too. Sorry, I'm going to just jump in really quick. So one of the things about this movie is that bef- like when the trailers first started, there were certain plot elements that people guessed right away. And I think that that's part of why it got so panned because then people were like, oh, it's super predictable. Also, like, that's not a good twist. And it's like, um, I don't think we're really supposed to be surprised by that personally. Yeah. So I I would just say that, like, there are going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about, like, some of the, I guess, the twist, uh, which to me wasn't really a twist, but. It's not a twist. It's a revelation. Yeah. um, So just just to warn, warn people about that. I am mad uh at the people who pay on this movie because and i do think that it was really badly marketed it was marketed very much as like oh it's this cute christmas rom-com with henry golding uh and amelia clark and it's it's not it that's not really what it is uh but i really do think that people you said um on our slack that people like saw the trailer were just like oh we're just going to dismiss it it's just Mm like why why did you do that? Because I d- now I'm mad because I didn't watch it and I should have watched it because it's great. Like, I really, really liked this movie um, in, a, in a different way than I expected to, admittedly. Um, so, so yeah, the, so the whole thing 
the whole thing is that Henry Golding is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that he is the one who gave Kate his heart. He Last was Christmas, a, he gave her his heart. Yes. And is what has enabled her to, to live. And I do think that the character, the character read to me, as soon as he comes on screen, he read to me immediately as Cary Grant and the Bishop's Wife. Yeah. Um, or or Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life. It's It very much feels like this is not a regular guy that just happens upon her. He wears the same clothes. Um, he appears and reappears at random times. He's obviously connected to her. Like even just the way that they talk to each other from the very beginning is he has knowledge that she doesn't. Right. Um, and so it doesn't read like this just random dude that, you know, kind of stumbles upon her. It very much reads like someone who's connected to her in some way. Uh, and and I, th- I feel like the film reinforces that consistently. So when it comes to the point where we discover like, oh, yes, he's he's an angel, he's a ghost, however you want to read it, um, it it didn't have this like, oh, my God, the, everything changes. But it changes for her as she realizes what she's experienced and the connection that she's experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is there's and it's a really beautiful connection, too, because there's this whole thing about them being a part of each other. Yeah. Uh, and her, you know, she says at one point, you make me feel solid. And yeah. that's part of what is she's looking for. And she's been doing all of these self-destructive things because she's scared. She's depressed. She's angry with her family. She doesn't have connection to her family. And through her conversation with this man who is a part of her, literally, um, she's able to, you know, come to an understanding of herself and connect with other people and connect with her family. And that becomes what it's about. It's not about her falling in love with him. It's about her like becoming alive again. Yeah. I, 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 there's some things that I really love that, that are done in this where like, first of all, okay. So you have Kate has been the recipient of a, of a heart. Like she had a heart transplant. There's a beautiful, that scene where the two of them are talking in his apartment and, and she's describing the feeling of like, they took my heart out and threw it away. And the way that she talks about that and you like, you can really see, cause she's been so self-destructive through the whole thing. She's drinking, she's going out partying, sleeping with random guys, like hooking up. She's basically homeless now. Um, like she's doing absolutely everything she can to just destroy herself because she's been so depressed and it's not because she's just this like wild person that never deserved to get a donated heart it's because she like they took out the thing that made you know that really made her who she was she felt like you know Mm -hmm. and and the way that she describes just knowing that that was just discarded like that really put her in this very emotionally confused state and it's it's interesting because i've read a lot of stuff from people who have um who have been organ recipients and i actually knew someone who had a heart transplant and and there is so much of this um obviously the movie exaggerates and things like i don't think that she could have survived a year after a heart transplant with that much drinking but i'm just saying (laughs) um (laughs) but Um, The point is, uh, it's obviously very exaggerated, but Mm -hmm. so many people who have been recipients of donated organs have talked about how it is a miracle that they're grateful for, but it's not an easy road. It's actually really difficult. And there's this 
this sense that people just expect you to talk about how wonderful this blessing is, but that you're really um, experiencing some very difficult things inside. And it is a trauma Mm -hmm. too. And I like that even through some, some like lighter hearted moments or whatever throughout this movie, they address that. They address how difficult that is and how um, just how confusing that would be too. Yeah. Well, and and the effect that it has on all of her relationships, Mm -hmm. Um, because it's, it's obvious like her family is dysfunctional um, from, from the beginning, but it's obvious that that event is, is one of the things that kind of, it, it creates this wedge, her reaction to it, her parents' fears, her relationship with her sister, her relationship with her boss, um, all of these things, like uh, her reaction is is very much affects her relationships with, with everyone and it drives people away and she behaves in ways that, you know, are bad for her, but are also bad for a lot of other people. Um, and, you know, she's got friends that she, you know, oh yeah, you can stay with me. Well, you're like destroying my apartment and you have to get out, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and because she's just being irresponsible and me, uh, because she's going through all this stuff that she can't talk to anyone about. That's part of it. There's no one that she can, there's no one that can share her experience. Um, and there are two, there's too many layers to the other relationships. So you get uh, in her conversations with, with Henry Golding, she gets to kind of see the world in a different way. Mm. And that enables her to, um, to again become more of who she is and who she wants to be uh and it's it's just really really well done i also really like the issues of immigration and um uh and all of those things because these are uh there's what are they there's are they serbo croatian you're yugoslavian yugoslavian so these are yugoslavian immigrants and again this could be one of those things that i think that the trailer really misportrays yeah what goes on because it looks like oh it's emma thompson doing this weird accent right and it it does portray the reality of of the characters because they're not ridiculous characters right they're they're immigrants who are afraid of like the one of the underlying elements of her mother is her mother is constantly afraid that they're going to be kicked out of the country. Yeah. Even though they're not, there's no way that they could be, but that fear is just like constantly driving her and makes her behave in really distressing ways. Her father basically like leaves the house all the time because he can't handle it. Um, And so through like her kind of learning and, and coming to be more of herself and dealing with her trauma, she's able to help, her family deal with their trauma and to kind of unite them again and connect everybody again. And then, and you've also got like discussions of homelessness and connections to those people. None of it is treated as this like maudlin, Oh, you just have to go out and do good works and you'll be fine. It's like, no, this is how you begin to heal yourself. Right. Yeah. That's just it. And, and it's, it's not that, that, service is the cure but service is the way to kind of reconnect yourself with the world around you and start to get better yeah well and and the the henry golden character constantly like tells her right from the very beginning look up Mm -hmm. and you know and at one point she trips on a bunch of garbage (laughs) and it's just like how dare you tell me to look up like but that but that's part of it is that you know you if you're constantly looking down at your feet if you're constantly just watching where you're going there's a whole bunch of stuff that you're never going to see. And so she, they, they, go, they come across the garden that they spend a lot of time in. 
Um, and she even says, you know, I've walked down the street every day for however many years, and I've never noticed this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really it's really beautiful film. Like I loved it. I was like crying at the end of the movie. God damn it! <laughs> oh, I know it's so good, and it it just it just to come back to this again. It really bothers me how much people shit on it, even like months before it ever came out, just because they made some assumptions about it. And just because there's this weird anti-Paul Feig sentiment that just drives me insane. Um, it just, this movie was kind of set up to fail and it's unfortunate because it's, it's very, very good. And one of the things that kind of makes me happy is it's been on TV a lot this year and last year. So it's like, okay, maybe it has found a second life, you know, on streaming um, and in home video or whatever, but um, because it it is one that I agree. I think that it was mismarketed. I think that it was uh, not given a fair shot, but it's, it's such a good movie and it's funny, but it's also not like what we were talking about earlier with, with all three of these, like it still deals with some, some serious things yeah. in a, in a good way, in a relatable way that nothing ever feels like even the resolution to this, the big show at the end, like it doesn't feel over the top. She doesn't suddenly get a big break, even with zero experience. You know, she figures out a way (laughs) to realize her dream in a way that she is able to accomplish it, you know? Yeah. And I like that in a way that she, and and you get the impression. So right from the very beginning, uh, when you see her as a young, young uh, teenager in the choir, right. Mm Mm-hmm what she likes is the connection with people and she, and her voice makes a connection with people. And that's what you get at the end as well. It's not really like, Oh, are you the greatest singer in the world or anything like that? It's finding that connection and making people happy and dance and sing, et cetera. So like to actually have that, it, it doesn't matter if you're on the Broadway stage or not. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in the West end, what matters is that you're actually connecting with people. And so there, there is this, this through line also about art and about um, music in particular and, and finding that connection, uh, you know, encouraging her mother to stop singing the song like a dirge and to actually like jump around and celebrate <laughs> the result. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really lovely. Like I, like I said, I came to the end of that movie. I was just like, well, why haven't I seen this before? <laughs> yep. Uh, I do also love Michelle Yeoh as Santa. Yes. She's oh, so that, funny. That whole other bizarre subplot. Like, yes. There's a whole bizarre subplot with her. And I love that. I was just like, this is so weird. Like, what's happening? I think that uh, I think she I- falls in love, but she can't pronounce his name. So she just calls him boy. <laughs> He's like a 50 year old man. <laughs> and it's all it's like all over. He's like into sauerkraut. Like he and then there's this whole like thing where he gives her a Christmas ornament that is just like a stack of, of um uh cabbage and like it's very bizarre. Yeah, but it's so sweet. It's very and, sweet, yeah. It's it's weird, but it's sweet. Yeah. Well, and and just just that connection between Michelle Yeoh and Amelia Clark in the store and how how Santa is always, you know, getting on Kate's case, like, because Kate is a terrible employee, but the fact that Santa lets her stick around and doesn't give up on her, even though she's grumpy and and everything, you know, it's just like, I wanted to know more about Santa, honestly. (laughs) She she has her own story, because like she talks about 
running a whole bunch of like she ran a, a pet shop. Um, and she went by Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> she ran a bakery and she went by Muffin. Uh, yeah, like I like that whole thing. It's just like you are an interesting person. I want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love that she gets like this romantic happy ending too, because yeah. I think that's the thing is it would be so easy to vilify a character like her. Like, oh, she's yeah. just the mean Scroogey boss, even though she runs a Christmas store, you know, and like she just she just won't go easy on her employee or anything. But it's like, no, she has reasons for being so grouchy with her employee. And yeah. she also does have like, how can you own a Christmas store and not have at least a bit of a heart in there somewhere? You know? Yeah. And I exactly. like that she gets that. And you get these these moments with her. And and I like that by the end, the, the two, it's not Kate quitting the store and moving on. It's, it's like figuring out how to work together again. Yeah it's 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 really it's a sweet relationship too it's all that's yeah the whole thing is about repairing relationships in a lot of ways yeah yeah also honestly should have known that this was going to be good because it's co-written by emma thompson and greg wise yes and and i remember like even when the trailer came out and i was like okay yeah it looks kind of hokey but also it's it's some of thompson like she's usually she's usually knows what she's doing like Mm -hmm. Even if it wasn't Paul Feig, but but Paul and Paul Feig knows what he's doing. So like I'm just mad. I'm mad about this. Yeah. <laughs> Justice for last Christmas. Yes. Watch it. Yes. Watch it. It is on Prime. Oh, okay. There you go. It's on Prime. It's also on TV if you're still a weirdo that has TV like me. <laughs> you, can, you can rent it as well, but it is you can stream it. If you have Prime, you can stream it there. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap things up, I think, for this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. We especially want to thank our patrons who kel- who help keep this show going. Thank you so much for your support. Without you, we would not have been able to have the year that we've had. So thank you so much. Um, if you'd like to, uh, well, sorry, our patrons are uh, Ollie, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Karen, Cariata, Lauren, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Tao. If you would like to join them and become a patron too, you can go to patreon.com slash citizen dame to sign up. And uh, your contributions do help keep the keep the show going. They keep the lights on. They keep the hosting hosted. Um, all that good stuff and, and bringing more your way. And as, as a benefit to being a, a subscriber, you get early access to episodes. We do uh, bonus episodes when we can um, you get some buttons and things. So there's, there's lots of fun, but you also just mostly get to know that you're supporting uh, female centric film podcasts where we get to talk about why last Christmas is a great movie and got really <laughs> unfairly <laughs> derided. Um, there's other ways to support us too. You can go to our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame and so, sorry, slash citizen dame pod and uh, buy a button or a t-shirt or, or something. Or we have our Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. Um, and just to find our other work and support us that way, we do have our website, citizendamepod.com. Lauren has a great article there um, relating to a very personal essay mm-hmm. uh, about our flag means death. I really encourage you all to read it if you haven't yet. Um, but we have we have other uh, reviews and things. And we'll, I know we keep saying this, but we really are committed to bringing you more written <laughs> content in the new year. So um, definitely follow us there. 
And you can reach out to us. You can email us citizendamepod at gmail.com or you can find us on social media. Uh, technically, we still have an, a Twitter account, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you can also find us on Instagram and Blue Sky if you search Citizen Dame Pod. And we are Letterboxed HQ at Citizen Dame. And we're pretty good about keeping that one up to date, including uh, keeping lists of the movies that we've been talking about each week. So every month we have a new list for all the films that we've been discussing on the podcast that month. So you definitely want to check those out too. And of course, you can reach out to us individually. Lauren, where are you? I am on the various socials, not really Twitter anymore, although I think my account is still open there. I don't know if Musk has destroyed it yet. Um, <laughs> at LH Business. <laughs> and I am on all the socials, particularly Instagram and Letterboxd at Karen M. Peterson. So that's going to wrap things up for this week and I guess for this year. So thank you all so much for your support. And we look forward to awesome conversations in 2024. Now I'm getting psychologically mixed up. Well, you see, I was a different girl then. I was really rather naive. All my knowledge came from books, and I just finished a novel about a glamorous French actress from the Comédie Française. That's a theater in France. And when she wanted to rouse a man's interest, she treated him like a dog. Yes, well, you treated me like a dog. Yes, but instead of licking my hand, you barked. You see, my mistake was... I didn't realize that the difference between this glamorous lady and me was that she was with the Comédie Française and I was with Matacek and company. Oh, well, that's all forgotten now. So now you've got to see your girlfriend. By the way, is it serious? Yes, very. Maybe. Maybe we'll both be engaged Monday morning. I think we will. Well, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I just said in my case it might happen. Well, as a matter of fact, I can tell you... It will happen. How do you know? Well, we won't go into that.